computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a registered basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Registered basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, Twitch. Good to have you guys back in our lives here. Um, I finally figured it out. Yay. It shouldn't sound bad. Uh, but please let me know if it does. Um, I'm joined. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. And Tim, talk so the people know that I didn't mess this up for the third time in a row. <laughs> I, I hope I hope it's working. Uh, thank you, everyone who hopped into the the first one or two as we were figuring out the technical side. Um, but we are really excited to get this going. We, you know, we we always talk data, we talk scheme, but it's always something I've always thought about. Is like, man, this would be so much better if we can actually show people what we're talking about as we talk about it, either with charts or graphics or breaking through film itself. And we're going to do all of that today. And as we give folks a moment to continue filing in what you can do is uh, we just have a, a couple questions. We have one up on the screen right now that you can go to menti.com use the code there up at the top. And just from a, a one to 10 grade out how you think the Lakers, Bucks, Nets, and Clippers who are, I believe the teams with the highest title odds so far, I think uh, rate them and how they did uh, so far in this off season, just, just to, Give you guys something to do as we're giving this another minute and I'll go tweet out the link again so we can get some more people in here. Yeah. And a couple of housekeeping things real quick. Uh, wanted to thank everybody for their patience with my tech difficulties the last pod and in the last couple of weeks. I'm a man with limited means and sometimes I rush through stuff, but I'm going to, to lock in and really took a lot of time to get this Twitch stream going. So, uh, hopefully it sounds pretty good for you guys. So, um, uh, yeah, today also the other thing we are going to be doing is we're going to be putting this out as a podcast. So if you listen to the pod, usually you'll be getting this. And Tim, my goal is to kind of cut the visual parts out of this and put it on a YouTube, uh, high, feature it on Twitch. <clears throat> so you can come back and look at that stuff uh, later if you listen to the podcast separately. So hopefully we're going to describe this stuff in a way that the pod, uh, the, that still gives good value for the pod. So, um, so yeah, man. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Just got, uh, glad to be uh, with y'all. Yeah, on my end it went well. Uh, obviously not quite the same, but uh, was was home with family. People got tested, trying to be safe. Had our had our turkey. Watched I guess two of fo- two football games. Didn't quite have that third one. Watched mm-hmm. a little bit of basketball. Was grinding through some tape. Um, but uh, it, excited to just have this break, I think, having today off, have the weekend recharge. I just ate so much turkey and, and leftovers just before we started this. So <laughs> I, like, needed a moment for, like, my stomach and system to to relax. But we're here. I see people are are filling out the, the survey. It's looking like the Lakers. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> graded out <laughs> as having the best offseason. Um, I see some questions in the chat. Uh, the free agency tracker thing is part of our B-Ball Index uh, data and tools package. If you go to the B-Ball, b-ball-index.com site, you can find your way to that. Um, cool. This this is neat. I, I like this tool. We should use this, this is fun. 
Yeah, I like that. That's great engagement. And uh, just uh, in case people don't have it, Tim, if you want to throw that link up in the chat, people are asking, trying to, people want to see your face, man, but that's not what this is for. It is not what this is for. So uh, we're not doxing Tim live on Twitch today. No, no. <laughs> so um, Tim, let, why don't we get started here a little bit? How does that sound, everybody? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So All right. today we we picked four. So we had, I think, four key additions to the team. And everybody's, you know, a multifaceted player. They bring different things. But I and, and you went through and we thought we found four critical skill sets, one for each guy that we thought we would try to talk about, see how it fits with the Lakers. Not just say like, hey, they're good at this but really dig into why they're good and what their style is and really add some color to some of the the higher-level analysis you might have heard us hear previously or have seen elsewhere. So we have some film to break down. We have some data to share, and I'm, I'm really pumped for this. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. Uh, I'll start with Harold. Um, Harold, and shouts to, uh, I think it was original Geo and Eric Sklar, I saw him retweet it, that describing Harold as the player that we all wanted Julius Randle to be. And I just want, I just want Laker fans to let that color their, uh, perspective on things with, um, with Harold, because I think it's pretty accurate at least, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into the film right now, Tim. Hold on. Let me make yeah. sure this is working. So with Harold, you know, he brings a lot. He's a good offensive rebounder. He can defend the rim a little bit. He has his weaknesses. This, these clips that we're going to look at here are really looking at his post game. And the Julius Randle comp is an interesting one because both those guys have a bit of force and a bit of quickness to their post game. And I think you'll see that as we, as we go through these Harold clips. In the meantime, I'll start by saying that. So, so with Harold's post game, you're going to notice his strength. You're going to notice his quickness. His handle is really interesting. And I, I tweeted out something earlier today about how he not often, but occasionally was used as a pick and roll ball handler just because he can handle the ball a little bit. Um, we see that in play with his post moves. He operates with a lot of control, a lot of balance. He challenges you laterally while being forceful. And his approach is just very clinical. I think he, he is often at the left block. He's often going to face up. And what we are going to see him do is he's going to, he's going to turn. He's going to, he's going to get good post, post position, get the ball, turn. And then depending on where you're aligned, he is either going to go middle or go baseline. And if you overplay him one way, he's going to go the other way. If you're directly even with him, he likes to go middle. And then if he's able to, with that quickness, get you to shift a little bit too much, he is able to use those quick spin moves and really uh, do a good job. I think just, as we watch these, you'll see, and if we pause it uh, as he's about to make his move, you can almost predict what he's going to do, which I think is really interesting. So why don't we go through it? We got this play against Boston. So he's going to catch the ball down low, and then he faces up here, right? That's And that's that rip through that's really nice. That That's so nice about his game, Tim. Uh, can you speak to that, just how to kind of his face-up game and, and what he brings to being able to rip through and kind of blow by guys? Yeah, so he's going to face up. He it, almost all the time he's going to face up. If you are overplaying him on the high side, he's going to go baseline. And if you're overplaying him on the low side, he'll go middle. If you're even with him, he'll tend to go middle, see how you react and either try to do a hook shot right in front of the rim or if you are quickly 
moving to the side, he'll spin back uh, baseline. So in this clip, we see that the defender, I think, what, who is that, Grant Williams, is about yeah, Williams. even with him, maybe maybe a little bit high. So I would say that I would venture to guess he might start baseline and then either finish baseline or spin back middle, depending on how Williams reacts. One thing is, is you do that to kind of – you're a triple threat in that situation. You, we talked so much about it with Anthony Davis as well. But that position just lets you really like survey the floor and survey your guy. And what he noticed was – um you know, that Grant Williams was giving him a little bit of space actually to the basket. And Montrez Harrell is a physical guy who'll get into your chest. And he's like, I know I can get under the basket, bump, you know, inside of this guy and then go, like elevate for a, a contested layup or a dunk. So yep. that's, that's part of the, the, what AD is so good at too. And it's kind of interesting me seeing, Harrell have this triple threat ability that I didn't know he had gives you another element for the Lakers to attack the basket like that. Mm -hmm. And and really with him, since he's so quick and yet forceful, once he clears his shoulders by you, it's game over. Either he's going to draw a foul or he's going to get a good shot at the rim. He may not always make them, but if he beats you baseline and he gets your shoulders past yeah, his shoulders past your shoulders. It's it's game over because he's so under control. He's able to bump you as he's going up and really finish strong, even though he's more of an undersized big. So Jay McDuff asked if he can pass off the block. I'm gonna answer that in a little bit, Tim. I added a couple of plays, but that is the weakness with his post game is that he is just a black hole as far as passing out of um his posts. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit play again, and we'll try to pick this up. Uh, I've got a bunch of different plays. So, you know, this is the one against the Timberwolves though, Tim, that you're watching that we're streaming for the peoples. Uh, so you're going to see him set up a, a Harold low post again. Look, see face up, get into the guy's body, knock him off the spot, right? Yeah. And we can just keep going through some of these. It's you'll see if they're high, he'll go middle. If they're too low, he'll go, or I'm sorry, if they're high, he'll go baseline. If they're too low, he'll go middle. And he'll use that spin one way or the other. And he likes to either rip through and go, or he'll do a dribble crossover and go baseline often. And this is the thing. I'm pulling up the play. You can't see it again, but um, the the stream can, uh, when he gets this ball, this is what's so impressive to me about him. The reverse pivot, the the different ways he can pivot to give himself an advantage. So if you watch again, right, he pivots on his right foot. And it pivots inside, and that gives him a a quicker track straight to the basket instead of squaring up, you know, traditionally. So, anyway, we're moving on to this Clippers play here, Tim. Um, or sorry, this uh, this Philadelphia 76ers play. You're gonna do a little floppy action with Harold or with Chamet, and then he's gonna face up, do a little dribble, crossover on that looks like Kylo Quinn to me. Uh, so what was what was good about that play? Uh, and, and I'll make a quick note. Since you guys are watching it live, I'm kind of on a little bit of a delay here, so I'm uh, not not quite able to narrate the way I would love to as it's yeah. happening. Um, but on that sixer play, uh, let's see, go back to it. What, can you pause it as he faces up, just mm-hmm. so we can get a sense for where Quinn? Yeah, we want to see where O'Quinn is relative to where Harold is, and we want to see what he's seeing. As he turns to face. So this is where he gets the ball, right? So if O'Quinn is level with him, he's gonna, he's gonna start middle. 
He'll start middle, and if you don't react, he's going to keep going middle, and he's going to have his momentum going towards the sideline and try to finish with that hook. If you react and go middle, then he's either crossing over uh, and, and, a, and blowing you by you baseline, or he's going to do that spin move. And in this play, it looked like he did that crossover, and it had a really nice finish on the uh, reverse side of the basket. So smart move by him as a guy who's a bit undersized to use the rim to protect him from any sort of shot blocking. And again, it's him using the, um, the, the top foot. He's attacking the top foot here. If you watch, I'll try and back it up, right? So he gets the ball, he faces up, he does a couple dribbles, he fakes right, and then he gives him this crossover. And that really, like, makes O'Quinn put his right foot even more forward. And then you just go back to the left, and that's game over at that point. So let's move on to this other play here, Tim. Uh, let's check out this play here. If you're watching against the Spurs, now, this is him against the Marcus Aldridge. Rashi faces up, pause it there. Give you a little boom, dribble, 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 dribble. See, but this is where Harold can be a black hole, right? He forces this shot up against Aldridge where it's not a particularly good shot. He doesn't gain an advantage at any point on the play. You know, like this is where, we're a little concerned with him getting too many post opportunities with shots like this to me, but what are you seeing on this uh, Spurs play here, Tim? I'm I'm a bit behind, so I can't see it exactly, but I'll comment and say that the black holishness is is there. We're going to talk about the passing in a bit. Um, he is a guy that's really looking to score with these sorts of opportunities, and that can be good. That can be bad for the Lakers team on the quick turnaround. I think that adds a lot of scoring and I'm, I'm fine with it in the playoffs is when you'd potentially look to try to tone it down. So on that play, uh, Aldridge was basically even with him, gave him middle. And then as he attacked middle, Aldridge wasn't quick enough to really adjust and get in his way. So he, he was able to get honestly to a pretty decent spot. Like I was, I was a post player when I played in high school. This is a, a pretty good look for him. That is a hook shot that isn't all that contested from like a shot blocking standpoint. It's like right at the restricted area. It didn't go in that time, but I'm okay with him taking that shot. And the reason we saw him go middle instead of turn back baseline was because Aldridge was, he just opened up to it. He didn't actually try to to block his path. I guess, and, yeah, and I it's, it's, it's not the worst shot. I guess it's just like, you know, to me, uh, uh, like Aldridge was there and when Harold decides he's shooting the ball, the ball is shot. Yeah. And, and I guess the thing is like in the bigger picture for the NBA, it might not be the best shot for a post player. That's about the best you can expect for a hook shot medal. Sure. Sure. And, and for a defender who isn't speedy enough to get in your way in that sense, that's, I get, that's the right move. Um, so I'm okay with it. I see someone commented, uh, playing him at the four should help. I think, Playing him at the four will allow us to see more of the force in his game. We see him when he's playing against Aldridge use the quickness. When he's playing those smaller players and they'll try to shift and cut off his path, we're going to see a lot more of the spins. We're going to see a lot more of the quick rip through, one dribble, bump you, and then finish up strong under control. And and that's what his post game is going to look like against those smaller players. All right, so let's go ahead and um let's go ahead and watch a little bit more. All right, again, well, back to the basket. Running hook shot there, Tim. I don't know if you saw that. I'll try and cue that up again. All right, gets the ball. Quick decisions is what you like. 
a sweeping kind of hook shot there. Yeah, so I'm behind. I can't see it. But, again, look at the footwork. Watch where the defender is in relation to him as he turns. And that should tell you – it should let you, in your mind, say, okay, is it better for him to go middle? Is it better for him to turn baseline uh, before he starts his move? And then once he starts his move, did the defender open up to him? Or did the, did the defender jump in his way, which tells him to go to the counter? It's very clinical. It's going to be the same flow chart every single time. Um, and in that way, it's, it's really beautiful in how it's somewhat predictable, but it's, it's smart. It's, it's almost predictable from our standpoint, but for the defender live, it's not because he's going to take what you give him. So it's an, it's a post game. I really appreciate. We're going to see a good bit of, um, and, and yeah, so I'm, I still haven't seen the play, but, uh, that's, I I guess just what to look for as you watch through these plays. And since we're, we're getting up to, I think we've gone for like 23 minutes. We maybe we'll move to, uh, look at some of the data for him instead of going through all the clips. What do you think? Uh, yeah, let me, let me zoom there. Cause we're going, I, I knew this would happen that we, uh, are going long, but let me just go through a couple of these and let them play. Hopefully try to refresh your thing, Tim. Hopefully it shouldn't be too long behind, uh, here. So, yep. A little, again, a little more floppy action on this play. It's the ball down low, reverse pivot, spin up, under, get into the body. Let's just let a couple of these run. Now, these are a couple of the plays that I had uh, earmarked for him. Um, this is where he's – this is great defense by Jeff Green, and he just uses his physicality, um, waits till he does have the advantage, and then it has a quick attack as far as a jump hook there. Let's see if I can back that up a little bit. Uh, so, yeah. Quick, he makes quick decisions, go, like, doesn't have the advantage, jump quick. And that's great defense by Jeff Green. He doesn't jump, he doesn't overextend himself, but, um, this here, I believe, is, is a great spin. He, he has that LeBron kind of rhythm to his spin move when he gets it in like this cadence. So he gets the ball, he's got a guy on his right shoulder, he's gonna face up a little dribble, spin, layup. Just like a quick decision, quick explosiveness. Um, and that's a smaller player cutting off his path. And if you cut off his path, he's spinning or, or he's, he's going to find that counter move. That was the counter to his middle game right there. And so this is the other one that really uh, excites me, Tim, is that this guy, maybe he does work with LeBron and offense in the sense that if they play fast and, you know, we know how LeBron can pass to AD when he seals, you know, gets up in transition. So if we watch this play, um, you're going to get uh, Paul George getting a rebound, pushing in transition, and then he gets a deep seal on a mismatch and he's able to get a foul. You know, like that's a play that he's going to be able to run with LeBron and just get early transition offense. Just get up the court, get behind the guy, seal him back, and then LeBron's great with that little over-the-top pass. And, you know, this works with Paul George, and this plays with Paul George. It's the same principle with LeBron, right? It's yep. um, it's the guy who gets the rebounds, going to push right away, and and just get up the court. Let's say, yeah, same, he'd hope same he'd thing be here. a little bit t- – he's, he's not quite as tall, so for some of these he's probably just going to draw the foul instead, but that that's good offense too. But it's, it's the seal that, that I care yep. about. It's the physicality he plays with the ceiling guys under and then mm-hmm. LeBron drops it in kind of over your head and he can jump to go like this one here, uh, against the Timberwolves. He, he has a nice jump kind of receiver, you know, catch 
and lands and gets the gets the bucket. But yep. um now yeah, we call that a post pin where you you seal that man off, you get behind him, and in basketball at any level, that should be a bucket or a foul, or maybe you got blocked by a great shot blocker. There's a couple things with his game that worry me, like the black holeness of what is this shot? Like to me, it's head down. You got three guys around you and you put up a, a little jump eight footer. Yeah. It's, he, it's not a great in that play, shot. Right. And in that play, he, Horford did a great, I think this is Horford did a great job staying in between him and the basket. Didn't give him the edge, but also yeah. got in his way. So he couldn't, uh, do the up and under because that'll be his other move. Mm-hmm. If he dribbles far enough over, he'll fake that shot up and then take that right leg in this play and and put it over and then try to finish on the left side of the rim. Horford did a great job of taking away that option, and that's something that really great post defenders can do um, is, is really watch their feet in relation to each other. He does not give him the opportunity to try to do that up and under. So on that play, you would want him to probably pass out. There was only like five seconds left, but still – it, probably a pass out for a quick ISO would be better than than the shot he ended up taking. So yeah, good point. I think the the black holishness is something to keep an eye on. Uh, if you want, I can share my screen and pull up some of the data I wanted to uh, walk through quickly with him, and then we can get to the next guy. So with him and and talking about the the passing out, if you can you see it right now? Yes. Okay, cool. So if if folks haven't seen a synergy page before, they have all this data categorized different ways. For his total post offense, him, he himself trying to score 213 possessions, him passing to teammates and them getting a shot from it, 21 possessions. This 9%, and I can pull up the leaderboard, but we won't do that right now. This 9%, I believe is dead last of the players who have had at least like 50 post possessions this season. So he is not a guy that is often passing out. He'll turn, he'll face up, he'll survey the floor. But he's, or it looks like he might be, but he's not surveying the floor. He's looking at his defender and what their position is and then deciding how to attack. He's not a guy that's reading the defense. And then if we look and see how he's posting up, 70% of his uh, post-ups are coming from the left block. He's much more left block than a right block guy. Uh, in the middle, he's, he's not doing as much. And when he's on that left block, if we look at the data, he faces up quite often. And then once he's facing up, he's actually, he has a pretty good balance of going middle versus going baseline. And I think that's encouraging. You don't want to see a guy who only goes to one thing. And actually, if we look at him on the right block, where is it? Uh, oh, never mind. I'm mixing him up with somebody else. There was somebody else I was looking at earlier who was just incredibly predictable in terms of which move they go to. And that's something that in the regular season might be okay, but in the playoffs just will not work. So this was just a quick look at some of the data for Harrell. Um, hopefully this has, uh, added a little bit of context to what he brings with his post game specifically and how we can see that fitting in and really adding points for him, for the team, taking some pressure off LeBron and AD in the regular season. Um, and just some of the, the more granular details of how he is, how Harold is reading the defense and how he chooses to attack. So as you're watching moving forward, you should be able to, to some degree, and it's tough watching live without like pausing it, but where's that defender in relation to him? Which move is he going to go to? And you'll be right more often than not. Uh, yeah. So Tim, wh- why don't you, um, 
I, I just want to bring this up if you could go to it real quick and maybe you can uh, zoom in to your browser a little bit. It's a little bit blurry and the stream is saying, uh, I know it's tough with synergy. It's kind of like gridded. It's, it's a lot of information, but if I recall looking through his stuff last night, um, he is a, a good post up efficiency points per possession until you add passes and then it drops significantly. Yep. So 64th scoring percentile, the pass outs and some of this isn't his fault, but a lot, but some of it is um, overall his post game is 44th percentile. And with the post or with ball screens, generally what we see is the scoring efficiency itself is usually fine, but then it's the pass out efficiency that is really what makes the action really valuable overall. But for Harold, this just, that just has not been the case this past season. And for the Lakers, and when we think about what they do during post-ups, there's a good bit of standing around. We, we were, it was like pulling teeth in the playoffs to get the Lakers to counter some of that paint packing we saw against AD and LeBron when they were posting up. So uh, among any team to go to and expect this pass out, efficiency or volume to jump. I don't know if the Lakers are quite that team. Now, it's certainly doable. They can certainly make those improvements. And we saw that as the playoffs progressed. But I would anticipate we see Harrell going into this next season be, again, a good, they have him categorized as good efficiency post score. That's just not passing out all that much. Yeah, it's it's just not a part of his game. Yeah, you you'd like to see that change, but uh as of now, I would expect expect at least some games where you are going to be pulling your hair out and uh frustrated that Harold doesn't pass out and misses open guys, but it's part of his game. He's a bit of a black hole, but if he's going to the basket just uh by himself, he's he's fine. He's you'll see he's got a bag of tricks. Is there any last kind of notes on Harold or his post game that that you want to pull up now that wasn't in the footage or or that you might want to expand on? No, I think we covered it pretty well, but if you want to let me know which guy you want to go to next, I can I can pull their data up to start with just to set the stage for the video. All right. Yeah, I believe I have Mark Gasol's playmaking next. Okay, sweet. Okay, so for Mark Gasol, we are going to talk about his playmaking and his, you know, his his passing, his high post, his low post passing, his his handoff passing. And something I just want to point out is uh just how good of a playmaker he is relative to just other bigs in the league. So if we are to look at centers and we're using the B-ball index uh, data and tools package. We're at the leaderboards tool right now. We're going to look at our playmaking talent grade and look at only against centers who've played at least 500 minutes. How many of those have there been? There are 62 of those, so about two per team. And looking at that playmaking talent grade, he is in that top four group of centers that are just showing up as pretty good playmakers. And this 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 grade here is versus everybody. So even That's if a minus right now we're only showing a minus for exactly. the listeners. It's an A minus, uh, really, really strong. If we look at his quality, the quality of these top four guys is just a league above a lot of these other folks. And if we are to go to our playmaking talent database on the site itself and plug his name in sort by years, I want to point out here that, so we have a couple different categories. These are what go into our playmaking talent. Right? We have passing creation volume, and you can see year after year, his volume has been pretty high. And actually this season, 
He's only in about the 72nd percentile, the lowest of his career from 2013 to now, which is as far as our database goes, the lowest of his career. Yet, if we filter to just against centers, it's still higher than 92% of centers. So his volume, very high. His quality has had been below average to average for a couple of seasons, but the past three years has been very consistently around that 90th percentile. That is really good. That means that when he's passing to someone, they're in a good position to score. He's not getting assists just because he's resetting the offense and then somebody has to jack a shot up. He is truly finding players good scoring opportunities. And if we are to compare that with centers, he's in the 94th percentile versus centers this year. Passing versatility, this is looking at the types of passes he's making. And so compared to other centers, his value here is higher than 81% of them. So he's on the higher end of passing versatility. He's not quite a Nikola Jokic. He's not going to be running ball screens and, and doing stuff like that, but he can make outlet passes, which is going to be great with LeBron and AD and Montrezl Harrell rim running. He's going to be great with post entries, which is something you don't see from a lot of bigs. He's good at making skip passes, pass outs from the post. So that's why these values for the past couple seasons have been uh, higher compared to other big men. He's efficiency that whole time really, really high. This means that he is not turning the ball over with bad pass turnovers. Um, he is making really strong, really smart passes, and that's exactly what you want to see. And then if we look at his scoring gravity, that's actually been the one that's dropped off the, the largest um, from the previous seasons to last year. But overall, still really high from a playmaking standpoint. Just, just want to set the stage. He is elite among big men when it comes to passing in more than just one way. It's not just volume. It's volume. It's quality. It's efficiency. It's versatility. And he just has that full package as a, as a playmaker from the big man position. And any decrease we've really seen with this has been more due to the fact that like he's not making as many low post pass outs because he's, you know, getting opportunities as a low post scorer far less at this point in his career because he's not as strong in that regard. Um, but yeah. as a high post playmaker, we're going to see a ton of that. We're probably going to see a little bit of the low post, but this past season he only had 15 pass outs that led to shots for teammates compared to 66 the year before and over 150 the season prior to that. Um, so I'd expect more high post passing than low post passing, but he may get some of those as well. Um, and I think just from a data standpoint, that is what I would want to point out to the audience. I'm pulling up the Mark Gasol footage here, Tim. Uh, if you want to put your eyes back on the screen. Um, so this, he's going to get a little high post action here. You're going to see a split cut from Siakam and, and, uh, and Van Vliet. So I don't know if you want to watch that again, but the thing that stands out here is that just watch Van Vliet and Siakam look at Gasol. Like as soon as, Gasol gets the ball in the high post. Watch the players around him. If you're ever watching film or watching his stuff on YouTube, um, like if, if you're watching him, players are active off ball around him because they know they can get the ball. You know, guy, the reason guys don't, and I know you get frustrated with this sometimes, Tim, the reason guys don't always do, you know, flare screens off ball and, and all these, this movement is because they know they're not going to get the ball. Um, or that, that there's a small chance that they could get the ball or, you know, that's just the reality of, of, of the business kind of is that you don't want to waste all that energy and, 
unless uh, you have to. Uh, some guys are different. Some guys aren't like that. Some guys go 100% all the time, and that's kind of their their strength. But, you know, look, as soon as they split cut here, so Gasol's watching this whole way. He knows he's either going to hit Van Vliet in the corner if they if they both hit Siakam. And so Siakam kind of uh, slips this at the last second, too. He doesn't even stay to to keep that man on the screen. And then you're going to see Gasol kind of wait, and then he gets the ball to the side so he can use the bounce pass, and then bam. Yeah, in really good execution on all parts here. This isn't just Gasol. You need to have the other players reading it properly. You want them attacking the way they should attack. We've seen in the past where the Lakers will – sort of run split cuts, but not really because the guy going to set the screen will slip every single time and the player who should be going off the screen mm-hmm. doesn't really use it. Um, you want coordination. You want that drilled down. This is, I mean, honestly, it's really easy offense. I've taught this to middle schoolers. I've taught this to high school teams. It's it's really simple. Have that guy go set the screen. If you hear them yell switch or they're switching, the slip will be there mm-hmm. um, or the slip should be there. If they're not switching, hold that screen. Get that guy as much time as you can. And then, uh, if, if that pass isn't there, then you might cut to the rim or, uh, what we can also see flow out of this, which is really useful is the fact that Gasol is on the perimeter, the way he is for these allows him to just execute dribble handoffs really, really quickly out of this. So if the screener in this action were a guard, let's say KCP, KCP setting a screen for Kuzma to flare to the corner. If neither of those options are there, KCP can then just run around Gasol, get a handoff, and then it just quickly flows into another action. So I think that's something that's really useful. And as opposed to like a low post touch where the, okay, it doesn't work option might be, okay, you know, Marcus, I'll go just attack in the post. This provides the very clear, easy outlet to another ensuing action in a way that keeps that beautiful basketball flowing and, and the, the strong, efficient options coming. So I, I really enjoy that. But with each of these clips, you'll see Gasol surveying the floor. And one thing that you'll see in a couple of these is he's able to make those bounce passes really well. If he doesn't have the bounce pass angle, but his guy has the inside seal and is cutting to the rim on a few of these, watch for the touch pass that he gives. Cause you don't just want to like rocket a pass to where you think the player should be going. Sometimes if you're a quarterback in the NFL or if you're a passer in the NBA, you want to put a little bit of air under the ball and you want the timing to be good. You want to give your receiver the time to get to where they need to get. You don't want it to be too flat where it can be deflected. And Gasol does a really good job and shows a clear proficiency at making not just the read but executing the right kind of pass. And then as he's throwing that pass, does it with a a good bit of just technical excellence. Okay, so let's keep this film train going, Tim. Um, I'm going to put on another play up here. Hopefully it doesn't take too long for you. So I'm going to run a pick and roll with Van Vliet, and he gets the short roll. He's going to kick it back out, repost, and then he's going to face up, puts his body down, up and under. And then this is where Gasol's kind of um, – proficiency in the post as a scorer you know he he's not going to do that as well these days but he's still going to hit those little dirk mid-range fadeaways and this is him just a little two-man game with the guard you could see him do with the schroeder with lebron uh uh kick it back out repost i got a small guy on me i'm gonna try and physical him oh i got a double kick out and it's it's right on time he's he knows uh where his outlet is right. If he does get doubled, 
So th- this is just, to me, this is just a Marc Gasol basketball IQ play. It's not like a genius pass. It's passing at the exact moment you need to pass, you know? Yeah. Doing, doing little things well is something that doesn't get appreciated enough. And we're about to see a guy with Gasol that just based on the efficiency numbers, we know he's not going to go attack and then at the last minute realize he needs to pass out and not know where guys are and be throwing the ball away. He, he is well aware of where his players are. If they're cutting, if they're relocating, if you go double him in the post, he's going to know where the double's coming from and who's open because of that. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch because we just didn't see that kind of playmaking on the floor next to LeBron, um, other than Rajan Ronda, which was a completely different style this past season. So keep, keep an yep. eye out for these. It's, it's going to be a really great time, not just with the IQ, but just the types of passes he can throw and just the, the, the touch passes, I think is what excites me the most. Cause you just do not see that often with bigs. Yep. All right. Let's keep this train moving. We'll try and just do. Clip by clip here. All right. So he's going to get a high post. And yeah, this is just a little, uh, a flare screen, Tim. This is simple, repeatable, you know, basketball. This isn't like a giant play design. This is just get the ball to the post, the high post with Mark Gasol, do a little bit of stuff. You can see, um, it looks like he's going to cut across the lane here. And then Siakam kind of puts on the brakes and it turns into a flare screen, but mm-hmm. nice catch and shoot, you know. You could see him doing stuff like this with AD, um, and, and like a KCP, you know? Yep. Um, exactly. And, and really uh, on that place, Yaka makes a great read in knowing that the defense is anticipating him running right. towards Gasol. So instead of doing that and, and Van Vliet does a great job of ch- changing his screening angle, they realize that, okay, I'm open where I am right now. Um, so that's the IQ piece of it that, by adding Gasol, we don't automatically have, and we haven't shown, we haven't had a guy of Gasol's caliber to really run these actions, although LeBron can clearly do that. AD can probably do this. So I'm not sure how high my expectations are for the more granular counter to the different types of split, uh, split action defenses, but, um, I just want to make sure that everyone realizes this is more than just Gasol, but Gasol is also at the same time reading what those other two players are reading and making the right decision. Mm-hmm. All right, this is a little side pick and roll. He's going to get the short roll again, going to try and go to work, and then he just kicks it out there uh, at the right time. You know, this is, again, this is just him knowing where the ball needs to go in a basketball situation, set a screen. Uh, get the roll. It's gonna, I'm um, trying to go to work. I get a couple dribbles and then, oh, you'd lacking off me to dig. Okay. I'll just kick it back out. Uh, I'm just going to move on past that though, Tim, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of do a couple more here. So, yep. um, yeah, again, this is just the string of the same kind of smart. It's just going to get a screen and I catch the ball, a little flare screen, like fake, you know, screen like we did a couple plays ago. Um, run that play a couple times for people. It's just smart stuff, man. Um, and for that Boston play, watch, watch the weak side corner too. Watch that weak side corner. There's going to be a pin and flare screen that we see as Van Vliet gets the ball. And I, I really right. like Toronto's right. use of multiple actions, not just because it gives Van Vliet another option, but it takes those two defenders away from stopping a drive if he were to try to drive. So that's something the Lakers can try to go watch the same Gasol film, say, how do we make the most out of Marcus Saul? And as a result of that, be like, ooh, 
by the way, we should also add these second actions because that, that is what helps bring this to another, another notch and an elite level that Toronto had it at the past couple seasons. Okay. So we're going to try and, uh, answer some of these questions a little bit, but I'm going to keep this rolling again. A nice kick out off of a double. I'm waiting to get to a couple of the clips I pulled in here. It's going to roll, going to get nice low post kind of seal. And then, yeah, this is just beautiful basketball here. He's going to dump off of the cut off of him. So, um, usually what you'd like to do is if you're the guy entering the pass, you want to, oh yeah. And see, that was a great split cut too. Wow. Yeah. You want to, you want to cut off the ball. If you enter the pass into the post, usually want to cut off the ball. But what Toronto does here is they run a split cut kind of. Uh, and so like, yeah, though, what's his name? I don't see know who that is exactly. Cause it's small for me, but they'll split to the basket as the other flares out. And then he slips the screen and catches this pass right here. Cause the guard fell asleep on the back door. So it's just beautiful basketball. Um, here are a yep. couple of clips I, I wanted to pull out though, Tim. Uh, and this is again, like transition, watch him. He's going to get a mismatch. So, uh, imagine a LeBron pushing in the tempo so you can get a mismatch in, in transition on Mark Gasol. So you're going to have Kemba Walker here. Kemba, Kemba Walker trying to guard Mark Gasol. And then they're going to get the ball to him immediately. He gets low position. Gordon Hayward tries to come down. Uh, Daniel Tice tries to come down. And then Gasol's got three dudes on him and he knows immediately I need to whip this pass, um, down under to Norman Powell who cuts off the baseline. You know, again, it's, it's not like he's beating people with his amazing, you know, physicality anymore. He's just, Oh, I got a little advantage here. I know what to do. I know where the ball's going. Um, yep. and then here, exactly. here he's going to, um, hit guys off the back cut, uh, uh, off from the corner. So he gets, Oh shoot. I pulled the video. My B lol. Okay. Let me find that again. And I think you'll notice that it's not just split cuts. He he is just a really good passer in general. If he oh, gets yeah. two guys on him, he knows somebody's open. If he gets three guys on him, he knows somebody's definitely open. Um, so it's right. it's a piece that you can just fit into what we do already, and it'll be adding that value. And he'll be you will see his playmaking even if we're not running the same sets as Toronto. But like someone in the chat said, it would be great if Frank Vogel were watching some Nick Nurse offensive tape because there are some creative things they do that would improve the Lakers half court scheme and make it easier and less dependent on LeBron or Gasol needing to be a scoring opportunity, be a scoring option and then create for others. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, great point by slightly sleepy. He's already got his head surveying the floor before the pass is thrown to him. Here he gets Mark, um, Marcus Morris switched on to him and he's got, uh, Mitchell Robinson kind of hovering in the paint here, but then Norman Powell again is just going to cut off of the, off of the three point line and he's just going to, the defense falls asleep. Mark goes up for the shot slap. Nope. Dump it off. Boom. Easy peasy. Just great, simple basketball play. Uh, he probably thought he was going to shoot until he saw that, or maybe he just sold the shot harder because he knew he was going to pass, but no, no, he saw it as soon as yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. And this is a similar one where you just going to get it on the short roll, get a little mismatch. Dive from the, the corner. He just, it's, it's amazing, uh, how good he is at seeing the floor. I don't know if I have much else to say other than Marcus All. What I like about this play though, Tim, 
He's going to attack a closeout, give a one dribble, attack the rim, and then kick out to a shooter. And for a guy that size, he doesn't have to go fast to attack the basket, but um, getting a flyby, putting the ball on the ground, and then kicking the ball out to the top of the key, like that's that's gravy. Oh, and this little dump off path. Yep. I, I got maybe a little excited with uh, with the clips last night, but check this pass out. You got Gasol <laughs> here. Gonna run some actions, um, little guard screens. They're gonna loop around him and then throws the ball over the top. I can see this being a nice little pet pay for for KCP as well. Here, I'll try and run it again. Yeah, that's beautiful. Just such great p- touch on that pass. Perfect pinpoint right. exactly where it needs to be. Because you can make the right decisions, but if it's not like if he doesn't put as much air on that ball, it doesn't work. Or if he's uh, right. like throws like that said, behind yeah. the guy or too low, too high. It's just perfect execution. He's just wonderful quarterback of, of the offense with these stationary reads. And something we didn't cover as much is he's also going to be able to be a good playmaker off of just handoffs in general. If he gets the ball, mm-hmm. if these actions don't work and then something needs to happen, he'll just go dribble at a guard. Either they back cut or they don't and they go get the ball from him or he might fake it to them and turn the corner like we've seen Bam Adebayo do or Mason Plumley do or Draymond Green do. Or sometimes he'll not give it to them initially and wait for them to loop around and then he'll give it to them. So that's another piece of his game that we will see on high, high volume as well. But yeah, this is, I'm, I'm excited for Gasol because he's going to help make a lot of other guys better. And yeah, all the chats talking about how Kuzma and KCP and Caruso, all these guys are going to have fun playing with, uh, with Mark. And, and just imagine if you, if you do that where you get Mark in the high post, you could do that stuff with LeBron and AD too. LeBron mm-hmm. and AD cutting off of Gasol. Uh, those guys are going to know when to cut. Mark's going to know when to hit them and how to hit them. And those guys have a physical advantage in the way that a Fred Van Vliet or a Norman Powell or other guys that Gasol's hitting didn't so a lot of good stuff here too let's let's move on real quick to Wesley Matthews you want to pull up some data is there anything on Wesley Matthews end you got yeah so what I'm going to do is all right I'll share my screen and we are going to take a look at his player profile and I'll zoom in thank you for the feedback everyone we yes trying to figure out what works best with this thanks for your patience and with Wesley Matthews, and I'll, I'll zoom in once I get to it. So this is what his player profile looks like. Lots of good stuff. It, worth noting is that the talent he was playing with this past season was very, very high. Um, but then, hang on, let me zoom in. His matchup difficulty this past season, 99th percentile. His defensive positional versatility, 67th percentile, very high. If we scroll down to see how he gets to those numbers and we look at the positions he's guarding, He's guarding twos and threes quite often. Um, he'll guard point guards a bit, and he can even guard power forwards and centers a little bit. If you look at the usage tier of players he's defending, so like a LeBron or an AD is going to be tier one, like a, I don't know, I'm not sure, Costas Adentagupo might be a tier six guy. He's spending all his time guarding those tougher matchups. If we go and look at the types of players from like a caliber standpoint, he's guarding starters just about as much as anybody. Um, he's guarding all-stars higher than 83% of the NBA. He's guarding all NBA players for about 9% of his defensive possessions, uh, or 9% of his time on defense for, uh, which is higher than about 87% of defensive players in the NBA. So that's really good. If we look at the roles types, these tall creators, those are like wing scores. 
Um, he's guarding them at a really high rate. Mega creators, that's your James Harden's, your Dame Lillard's, he's guarding them really high as well. So it's not just that he defends threes. Because you can be a wing defender. Like Danny Green was a wing defender. But if we look at Danny Green's data, he was spending much more time guarding wing shooters rather than wing ISO scores. And Wesley Matthews is spending a lot of time guarding guard elite scores and wing elite scores. And actually, these might be a little bit uh, unfamiliar because these are the old offensive roles that we used to use, not the new offensive roles. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to clarify that. These are the ones that we had used in the past. We need to get, need to get this updated, but those are the two like, I'm a wing scorer, I'm a guard scorer. Those are the two uh, types of dudes that we're looking at with tall creators and mega creators. And Wesley Matthews was jumping on the opportunity to defend in those matchups. That said, he his defensive role this past season was actually as a chaser, which is different from what he's been in previous seasons where he was a wing stopper. He's not as good chasing dudes off of screens. We can make more out of him than Milwaukee made out of him in that role because we can get him into doing something that he's better at doing. But even despite that, if we look at some of his impact numbers, his defensive PIPM, 97th percentile. Defensive RPM, 96th percentile. Defensive Raptor, 89th percentile. So he was already very good while in a role that doesn't make the most out of him. Um, so I'm going to stop sharing my screen. But that, I think, just articulates a little bit, uh, illustrates a little bit why his wing stopper defense is as good as it is. Or, or just it shows that, hey, this is that kind of guy. Whereas with other players, they might be a three and D wing, but they're not going to be quite like a wing stopper. He is, he is truly that kind of player. And that's something that the Lakers did not have in the past with Danny Green, even though Danny Green was very, very good at what he did. Um, so in the playoffs, if we face a team that has some scoring wings, keep an eye out for Wesley Matthews to take on those matchups. Okay. I'm going to queue up some of this film here, Tim. So let's try and get to the Wesley Matthews part and go through it here. Um, we're going to start, I believe, with some clips of him guarding LeBron. So let's uh, check that out, see what you uh, have to say about these clips. All right. So LeBron's going to get the ball, semi-transition. He's going to step up with the AD flat angle ball screen and, and Wesley Matthews stays with him. Um, thing that really impresses me about uh, how he plays defense, Tim, is how he constantly, quickly adjusts his angles and closes the space between he and the offensive player without going fast or, or going forward too quickly where guys can draw fouls. He does quick, decisive movements with his feet to gain uh, a little bit more ground to get closer to LeBron and uh, close that distance instead of just being caught flat footed, you know, and then reacting. He's constantly like prepared to react. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you see about how like he guarded LeBron or a play like this? Yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said though. You just checked off like half of the, the <laughs> bullet points yeah. I had to talk about. Oh, he good. does, he's like an offensive lineman where like if you just stop moving your feet, you're, you're going right. to lose. You have to keep moving your feet. You have to stay active. And he does a good job, not just moving his feet, but matching the footwork of the offensive player. And he has enough of a like lower center of gravity and enough beefiness to him that he can take on some contact and still maintain his balance. And even when players will bump into him and then try to step back or spin or something, he does a pretty good job as well as most players uh, at the wing stopper position of being able to recover from that initial move and do a good job defending that second move. Now 
he's also someone like you mentioned that tries to get in your space. He, he's he's not an elite like going to poke the ball away from you a hundred times, or he's he's not a Pat Beverly, Avery Bradley kind of guy. But he does he does a good job getting in your space, making you uncomfortable while defending with his feet rather than his arms, and uses mm-hmm. his arms to just contest your shot rather than try to steal the ball from you. Um, so those two things make him really good at what he does. He is weaker versus players who are more explosive. So like, uh, I think I, I show, I, I pulled a clip of him against Luka Doncic. That's not as favorable a matchup for him. And there aren't many guys out there that that is a, a good matchup for them, but Trey Young, Luka Doncic. So like any of those players that are craftier, a little bit quicker, he can have trouble with at times. And if we see LeBron beating him, it's going to be because he, gets his shoulder past him and explodes to the rim. That's something where mm-hmm. Matthews is a little bit more uh trouble defending. And that's okay because with the Lakers, we have guard defenders that can take on the point guard shooting guard types that are a little bit quicker, still ISO players. Cause we're, we're still talking about ISO guys, but for the wings, Matthews is that guy for guards. That's a different kind of defender. And we have those kinds of defenders on the roster. So I'm not as worried, but as long as you use them in the right matchups, he should do a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's a 6'4", he's 6'4", guarding LeBron James and making take pull-up mid-range shots. Like, you know, I played this a few times over. Hopefully people get a sense for this. But so just watch. He's doing a jab there, right? Oh, sorry, I meant to pause. But, like, LeBron's going to give a head fake jab. So he's going to give it up here, gets it back. He's going to head fake jab, and Wesley Matthews is going to retreat on it to give himself the space to catch up. But then he closes quickly, swipes at the ball, in a safe manner and and just he's a pest, right? And this is again, LeBron's considerably bigger than him. So um just watch his feet, watch how he slowly closes in on guys or uh flashes an angle that the guys might use and then gives it up uh or or then recovers to it. Like and on this play where where like you said, like LeBron's gonna get a step on him and he's gonna beat that top foot. That's where that pause is. His top foot He's not really in position there. Uh, he's expecting a drive left and a crossover, but it never comes, and LeBron continues right. Once he gets his head past Wesley Matthews' shoulders, it's over. But Wesley Matthews doesn't give that up very easily. So let's. I think this is here yep. is the play against Luca coming up right now. So give it a look. Um, he still gives great pressure and makes Luca do multiple actions to kind of get this. He stays attached off the pick and roll. He's going to come out to him, crossover. Oh, then that little north-south hesitation is just nasty, Luka. And this is obviously like the top five player in the game in Luka Doncic. But Wesley Matthews still, you know, stays with him. And, you know, it's it's not the worst defense. You know, this is great offense. Yeah. It's, it's good defense. Yeah. It, it's not the, the easiest of matchups for sure. What I think he does really well, even when he does get beat is he continues to at least try to trail well and try to take away if you're try, if you're going to Euro step or something, he's there. He, if you're going to beat him, he's going to force you to keep going in one direction and make life easier for the rim protectors behind him. So they know they right. have one place to defend instead of he can go in any direction. Uh, so that, that's something that I noticed in the LeBron clip, a little bit in the Luca clip. And yeah, he's just, he's a guy that's not going to just foul you and give you the easiest shots in the NBA at the free throw line if you do beat him. So 
that I think that's just another appealing aspect of his game that uh, makes him just a strong defender. Is he's not going to give up easy shots. He's not going to give up free throws. You're going to have to beat him. You're going to have to reach into your bag to find a move that uh, gets you where you need to get. And then even then, hopefully you have that rim protection behind him to defend the rim a bit. I mean, again, yeah, like Milwaukee was the top defense in the league last year. This is a filthy move from Luka Doncic. I just want that to be clear. And, uh, and West, West messes, you know, West bites on it, but you know, I, geez, this is just filthy, but this is the kind of guys that you need him to guard and have a modicum of success against. So, uh, we just wanted to quickly pivot. Uh, the next clip coming up here is, um, Jimmy Butler, Tim. So Jimmy Butler. Um, is going to get a little high post action here. And then Wesley Matthews gets the poke away as Jimmy tries to start getting physical with him. So I'll try and run that play back again. Um, yeah, he, Jimmy uh, Butler shortens his dribble here too. And Wes is still able to reach across Jimmy's body and poke it away without getting a foul called, which is really hard to do, honestly. Um, yeah, it's just great hands, great timing, great um understanding of of who your guy is. You know, pretty much if that play goes a couple dribbles longer, Wesley Matthews is is going to need help, you know, cuz he's going to get boxed out. Um or Jimmy's just going to rise above him and shoot cuz Jimmy's got the size on him. Um Yep. He, yeah, he does a good great, job great hands staying here. between the offensive player and the basket, even though he's only what, six, like six, four, he can guard these bigger wing defenders because he's quick. He has enough, uh, beefiness to him to with, withstand those little bumps and that good footwork, good hands, good IQ. He's, he's going to make you like, you really do have to try to beat him with multiple moves for the most part. And he's not quite like a point of attack defender, but against a Kawhi, against a Jimmy Butler, against a LeBron kind of guy, um, against those wings, he would be my first choice for the Lakers. And it's important to have this guy because, you know, we can say, oh, you know, AD can do that. Maybe LeBron can do that. It's good to have more than one of them and have options that aren't your top scoring options as well. And he brings that to the team. So if we do play a team like Boston and we need to defend multiple wings, we have multiple wing defenders. So that that's why him as an addition is is really a, a good beneficial thing to the Lakers and why that skill set was so important to add. Tim, I love this from Jason in the chat. He's pretty quick and thick. That's <laughs> so funny. Uh, but here's this nope. other here's the other sitch, right? Uh, this is the next play with uh, Jimmy Butler where. With Wes Matthews, sometimes he can get some fouls and he gets a little over aggressive here. We all know Jimmy Butler is amazing at drawing these fouls here, but he's going to bite a little on a hesitation dribble and then he's going to try and close Jimmy's path to the basket. But in doing so, he really gets in his space and Jimmy just, you know, rises for, uh, for a, a BS foul, but it's because Wesley Matthews wants to be aggressive and take away your lane to the basket. And even after he's beaten, you know, he's, he gets this blocking foul and Jimmy's smart enough to go up with the ball and, and get two free throws out of it. Cool. I, I think that's all I really had to share about Matthew's, uh, wing stop okay. defense, but yeah, that's, that's I, another key I got, skill like, the team has. Oh, totally. Totally. I got a couple more clips here, I think. Um, oh yeah, this stuff on Kawhi that you'd pulled. I just want to play this. This is incredible. Um, so he does a little bit of denial here, which is nice. And he does a little bit more 
in, in the clip I pulled too. But so at the top of key, Wes Matthews by the free throw line, gun Kawhi. See that step, Tim? That step. He closes under. He gets under. Takes away the triple threat once you do that because the drive is basically gone. You can drive, but you have to go wide left or wide right. Yeah. So you can't explode. He, no, no. And he perfectly times it too. Because he's like a millisecond away from Kawhi just exploding past him. And he just gets under him. And again, this is a guy giving up some size and see right there. That's just excellent technique. Bodies him up without fouling. He pressures the rip through. Doesn't bite on the jab and then stays down, right? He doesn't jump to contest that because he's going to foul Kawhi if he does that. Uh, that was that one. There's this one against Trey Young. I have a couple here where he's guarding smaller guards. Um, is this Trey Young? No, this is James Harden. So watch this James Harden individual defense. James Harden's a quicker guy, right? I wouldn't put him quite in that big range. He's, he's the two. Uh, but still able to pressure, use his physicality and just make James Harden's life hell. See, closing out small step, small step. Small step, close, close that distance. Oh, you got a little bit of space. A lot of times. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm going to just, you know, and that's the key there is when you move your feet on defense, it's good. But every time you take your feet off of the ground, it gives the offense a chance or an opportunity to change direction when you can't. So if they time it the right way, you're shit out of luck, right? But with Wes Matthews, he makes those jabs, those quick feet. Um, he does it so fast that he's able to adjust and re, um, change his direction if he needs to, because he's making smaller steps and decisive movements, not just sweeping, dropping his hips or that's just, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, really, really good defense. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, Wesley Matthews, the, the, oh, this one's, this one I love too, Tim. You'll appreciate this. So I'll set this up. I'll pause it. Wesley Matthews is at the bottom of your bottom right of your screen. Uh, and he is guarding what looks like, uh, what's his name? Terran, um, I was going to say Jason Terry, but you know, basically Terrence Ross. <laughs> so he sprints Tim across the lane. He doesn't know if his guy's getting the ball. Watch bottom right of your screen. He, he sprints to beat the screen to pressure this little, uh, like, down uh, floppy actually I don't know what you call that exactly but and then gets the contest yeah just a quick pin I mean that's that's stuff like sprinting into this a guy who gives high energy effort all the time like I I could see so many players getting pinned on that Tim and and that's just yeah yeah yep and I guess it was a staggered pin there were there were two of them they weren't quite set up but that still gave him two defenders to have to navigate and then um here we got uh another great possession on Kawhi coming up here. And watch the ball denial. So they're at the top, like left top middle of your screen. And he's going to deny Kawhi the ball and waste a good five to six seconds. And then Kawhi, again, he gets into his space, closes it, closes the distance. Kawhi makes this shot, but that is good defense. Uh And... And him forcing them to waste time getting the ball onto the block in the begin with, if Kawhi has to kick this out, they have even less opportunity to uh, maintain that advantage and, and get another good shot. 
Yeah, good good defense, better offense, but yeah, he he's gonna battle. He's good at what he does. Can't wait to see us. Hopefully, deploy him a bit better than Milwaukee did this past season, and be a, a good answer to when we need that type of defender facing certain teams in the playoffs. And he's also a guy that if we're not facing that kind of guy, and he's just not the right player to have out there for the matchup. You have other players on this roster, on the bench, that you can bring in instead of him and be better chasing dudes off of screens or be better at the point of attack. So the Lakers, not just with their bigs this year, but also with their guard wing rotations, should have a little bit of uh, flexibility depending on who they need out there and what kinds of defense they need to be bringing. All right, my guy, you want to pull up some uh, Schroeder? It's, it's the time. I saved him for last because, Tim, I told you this before we started recording. I could not stop pulling Schroeder clips for this, and I probably have <laughs> way too many, and this is going to be a two-hour pod, but I there was a, a handful of skills that I didn't know he had uh, specific to, to the pick and roll, and I just – some of these plays, Tim, blew me away, and I could see how valuable they could be in various Laker lineups. But so you got your uh, your your shooter stuff uh, all all pulled up. Yep, I have his synergy page pulled up right now. I have it zoomed in quite a bit, and what we are looking at here is his pick and roll offense. He is a guy, and I when I was looking through the film, I was focusing a bit more on the passing, or I'm sorry, a bit more on, on the scoring. Uh, before mm-hmm. we started, I know you were talking about how you were keeping an eye out for some of that passing. Uh, his scoring in the pick and roll in ball screens was about average, uh, overall his efficiency. So we actually see he was more efficient passing out than scoring, which is normal. Um, but this pass out efficiency relative to other, uh, players doing that was relatively low. So that's, I think a good thing to note. And, and we'll take a look at the film on that in a bit. Um, but what really stuck out to me about him is if we look at, so if he's using a screen, so this section here. Here are the different things he can do. He can take a pull-up jumper. He can do a runner. He can get to the rim. He might draw a foul. Uh, he is a guy that his primary form of offense is going to be that pull-up jumper. He's very good at it, but he's also pretty good getting to the rim. He's going to still score above a point per possession, so we like that. Um, and this pull-up game is really – it's a, it's new for the Lakers. It's not – we didn't really have a pick-and-roll operator last season who was a strong and – uh, uh, strong pull-up jumper sort of guy that did it often. He does it often, whether you're going over screens, going under screens. And it's it's really interesting, his flavor of the pick and roll, um, because he's a guy that with his pull-up jumpers from three, he's only, he's only shooting like 27, 28% on those, which isn't very good. If, if we compare him with the 132 players who took at least one pull-up three last season per game, he was 116th of 132. That's not high. Uh, oh, by the way, Kyle Kuzma was dead last among those 132. So he's not going to be hitting the pull-up threes. Drive by. So if you are going under against him, and, and these numbers are fine, but if you look at the second spectrum numbers, it, it shows it even better. He's really good if you go under screens against him, no matter what the big man's doing. And that's because he found a different way to run his pick-and-roll game and essentially make it so he doesn't have to take pull-up threes. So I think that's really interesting. We'll see him. He's a guy with a good bit of burst. Um, he will reject ball screens a good bit. Um, he rejects ball screens uh, 13th most of all players this past season. His efficiency was fine. Um, he gets to the rim more often on those 
which makes sense because if you're going to reject the screen, it's probably because the the hedge is already set up on the other side, so you can probably get to the rim pretty well. Still scoring over a point per possession, so that's that's he's just good offense from this. Um, he'll do it from all different parts on the court. Uh, but when we watch these clips, I just want to point out that dribble jumper and look how low a lot of these ball screens are being set when he's attacking and how he uses that to counter the going under coverage to get to his spots. He's very much a guy that no matter what you're running against him in ball screens from a defensive standpoint, he's probably going to get to his spots. Uh, he's a, he's a good finisher at the rim, not the best. Um, if I pull up his player profile here really quickly, um, he is, let's see. So this is his finishing data. His getting to rim rating, which looks at how often he's getting to the rim unassisted, higher than 96% of players. The rate of his shots that are unassisted at the rim is, is also quite high in A minus. Um, his passing out on drives is, is average and the assist rate is average. Um, finishes through contact at an, a little bit of an above average rate, or I'm sorry, at an average rate, draws contact at an above average rate. His raw field goal percentage at the rim is only like average, but because his shot difficulty was so high last season that a minus his overall finishing at the rim rating is a B. And then that and his getting to rim rating that B and that a land us with this a minus overall finishing talent grade. So he, and, and we see this come out to play in his pick and roll game, but I just wanted to point that out. Uh, he's an, he's a good finisher at the rim. He's not elite at the rim. He's often playing below the rim. So he has to be a little bit crafty. And sometimes we see him drive to the sides of the backboard rather than driving to the rim itself. And that helps him try to finish around shot blockers. Um, but that he'll do when you hard hedge or when you give him that opportunity to get to the rim. But otherwise we're looking at a bunch of pull-up jumpers. So that's the data on him. Tom, let's, let's go through some of those clips because these are fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Shouts to everybody still in. We've had about 85 people in the whole time and hope, hopefully it's good for you guys. We'll uh, be improving each time and, um, open to, uh, suggestions as to more things y'all would like to see. So yeah. get in the chat oh, and Tim, get in the chat. Yeah, let me answer some of these chat questions. questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So someone asks, uh, what is this? Slightly sleepy asks, how is his lineup spacing last year? He had a D. Lineup spacing higher than only 34% of the league. Uh, another interesting con- contextual stat for him is the lineup playmaking, the playmaking around him was only in the first percentile. So in terms of him being an off ball score, uh, we can probably see a little bit more from him in that regard this season than, than last season. Although in that three guard lineup, he certainly had pretty, pretty high playmaking, but overall it was, it was relatively low. Someone asked what percentage of those pull-ups are threes. So not many. So in, in his ball screens, so, uh, the, the ranking I pulled up earlier, the 132 guys, that was pull up threes. He's not good at pull up threes. He shoots 27, 28%. He did last year. He did the year before that. Even though his three point shooting improved tremendously, it wasn't because his pull up threes were getting better. He is a really good pull up two point shooter and he finds ways with his ball screens to essentially they set those ball screens lower. So if you go under against him, he's going to get that pull up mid range two instead of the pull up three. So that's, that's where his pull up game is really valuable. And his percentage of pull up shots from the pick and roll that are threes is very, very low when, when the defense is going under screens relative to other players. He's very unique in that manner. 
Loving it. Sorry, I'm just responding to some people in the chat. Appreciate the love, guys. I know it took a minute to to get here, but I've got even more ambitions for making this uh even more awesome. Maybe doing this during the season, before and after games, you know, just hopping on, maybe recording all our pods this way so y'all can chime in live and uh throw up some questions if you have them. But this is going awesome, Tim. Uh but let's let's get into this film uh now if you're all set. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, great, uh, little quick decision here to, uh, cross over, use the screen, step up. And then as he knows, as soon as he's coming around that screen, he's going up with the ball. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't wait for the defense to recover a little bit. As soon as he crosses over, he is stepping into his shot basically. Uh, and which is a, a good rhythm shot. You know, that's, that's what you want to see. Yep. He knows where his shots are. He gets to his shots. He doesn't hesitate. If you are showing higher with that big, he's going to try to go by you. If you aren't, if you're dropping or even sometimes in, in more catch hedges, as long as you're not at that level of the ball, he's going to take that pull-up jumper. And on this one, he does a handoff, right, from Chris Paul. So they're going to little set a screen uh, and just step in. Boom. It's a little 16-footer. Yep. Nothing to really add there. The, the big man was dropping. That's, that's a pull-up shot for him. Um, and being good at pull-ups, you know, just really opens up the drive for you too, because when you do snake the pick and roll or, you know, you do get a little bit of a space, the, the big knows that he has to come out a little bit further on you. And most times that'll give you space to go around him. That's right. So yeah, this is just some more like quick decisions. It's got a, it's smooth, um, fluid motion. Uh, again, Love the lacrosse. It's going to step uh, around the screen and kind of bring it back out. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping around too much. Um, yeah, from the wing, from from atop of the key, his mid-range is pretty butter. And I didn't really need to, like, cherry-pick some of these. He He just hits these shots at a really high rate. Right, right. So, uh, moving on, this is a lot of more, uh, mid-range stuff, but that's what we want to focus on. So here's him with Noel, the big drops real low, but that's still a good shot. He, he misses this one, but that, that's a good look. I can't wait to get to my parts of his clips, Tim, cause this, this stuff really excited me. Uh, all right. Now he's going to get a switch, a screen, snake it. Yeah. Again, just. A little bit short there, but that's, that's his shot. And, and you're going to be able to get that shot with him and pretty much any big on our team at any moment, at any moment. Yep. And, and I want to point out a couple things he does that are really crafty within how he operates. So he's, if you are going to sprint off of that, if you're going to go around, you're going to follow him over the ball screen and you're sprinting hard. And he notes that I saw on a number of different occasions where he will just stop. As soon as he gets to that screen, purposefully to try to draw the foul, and he'll take that three, getting those, and, and, and he'll draw that three point foul. He does that quite often if Here it is. he's facing a guy There's like. There's a play coming up right now. Yep. So he, he's really good at that. He's really smart about it. He doesn't take those pull threes often. So you're not usually going to be more cautious running around these screens. You know he's trying to get downhill or trying to take that pull up too. So the the fact that he does that really, I think, opens up. It makes it 
uh, less predictable when he does end up taking these uh, those really quick pull-ups and draws that foul. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you watch here, it's Beverly like harassing him. I don't know if you want to go for it, Tim. Yeah, no, that's it. Patrick Beverly uh, getting a little bit uh, too tenacious, um, and he's able to draw that foul. So that's one of the things he does that's crafty. You'll also see in a lot of these clips him flipping screens or having screens reset. Yes. He is on the higher end of – in the second spectrum data that I had provided by a source. When you look at just the total screen set, so like he might run a screen, the team doesn't get anything off of it. It's going to track that in a way that like Synergy won't. He's on the higher end of the percentage of his ball screens that don't do anything, which can be good. It can be bad. For him, when you look into the film, it's actually good because it shows that he's smart in recognizing when he doesn't have an advantage. And if there's 15 seconds left on the shot clock, he's just going to retreat, run another ball screen, and then try to get another advantage. He's not going to force something that isn't there. I appreciate that about his game. It shows up in the data. It shows up in the film. And even in some of these clips, we we see that same sort of thing. So that – we see a bunch with the resetting screens. We see him flip screens, especially if the defense is icing. Um, that is really smart, and that's him and often Nerland's Noel on the same page with that. And then the one other thing is when he is exploding to the rim, because he lives kind of under the rim a bit, you'll see him be really smart about using his offhand uh, to pretty much just hit the shot blocker's hand so they can't go block his shot. And he almost always gets away <laughs> with it. Uh, so keep it, if you ever see him finishing at the rim, watch for that on those clips. Hey, you get away with what you can, man. That's the game. But yeah, this is another clip I found, Tim, that I don't think I shared with you. It's it. That's I'm replaying a couple of times. This is him doing the exact same thing to Marcus Smart and, you know, Smart and Beverly are considered a couple of the best, uh, uh, defenders in the league. So I, I just love to see it. <laughs> Sorry, I pulled my video away uh too quickly. I got excited. Let's do this. Uh Tim, I'm so excited to share these few plays with you here because this is the stuff that stood out to me. Now I started um pulling his passing because I wanted to see what he'd do uh in the pick and roll and his passing. So let's let's do a little bit of that first. So, okay, just a nice little kick out. What's so special about that, right? Well, let me, let me run this back really quick. If you watch what he does on this pick and roll, he will drag it sideways. There's a little hesitation here. I'm trying to back it up a little. He does a hesitation sideways. And then as soon as he, he then he explodes north south and that draws the tag man down. So. He, he, little hesitation dribble crossover and then like changing speed is a very underrated element of pick and roll coverage. Uh, you know, beating a pick and roll, gaining an advantage, a little hezzy crossover and then zoom, right? And that little zoom is what makes the tag man drop down. So all his shiftiness, his craftiness, his fast feet, all that stuff. This is what like, you know, Jordan Clarkson was great at this, this little hesitation, um, you know, go north south move uh, that Lakers fans would be familiar with. But that, that to me, okay, that's okay, Tom. That's not super exciting, but that's fine. Um, it's smart though. 
It's another guy that just has mastered the the little fundamentals and the little things within attacking in a pick and roll. Or, or for Marcus All was the playmaking. Like do the little things well. Occasionally you'll have a flashy pass, but we don't need a highlight play every single time. As long as you're able to make the right read, execute it well, use the right, you know, have different types of passes you can throw, get it on target. Like don't throw it at his feet or throw it over his head. Um, as we saw like Rajan Rondo at times do last season, if you can get it to where it needs to be, get it right in that shooting pocket, that really maximizes what you're able to get out of that pass out opportunity. Mm-hmm. And okay. So moving on to this play here. So he's going to do a little side pick and roll with Steven Adams. I got to pause. One of the reasons I love this play is that he uh, sets up the rescreen, right? So he's, he's in an ISO here. ISO Steven Adams is going to come out screen to the right. Nope. No, I don't want it right. Rescreen left. He snakes it. And then he's got that pull up, right? And this is one of my favorite passes to make personally, Tim. After you make a pick and roll, or if you got a guy, a big trying to step out to you, but you want to get it down low to the mismatch, bring the ball up like you're going to shoot. And, but the whole time, you know, you're going to be bringing that ball up to then go low and, and like drop a bounce pass in. So why you do that is you get that, uh, that big guy's hands up first. So if you watch here, I'll try and back up a little so you guys can just see it in regular time. He's going to bring the ball up and then bounce the pass in to Steven Adams there. And then Steven Adams has got a little on him. And at that point, he's too deep. Yep. And it's the trick here is making sure that his shot and his pass start looking the same way. It's like a pitcher in baseball. If if your fastball and your curveball right off your hand look completely different, your arm angle is different, it's easier to know what's coming. But with him on this play, it looks it truly looks like he's going to shoot, and then he puts that nice pass in there. So just really smart from him keeping the beginning of what he's doing looking the same. Mm. And keeping the advantage too. So anyway, also a little crafty move, right? Wait till we get into the sexy stuff here. I think this is one of them. Um, let's see. Okay. So yeah, here's where we get to, uh, some lob passes. So when he ran pick and rolls with Nerlens, you know, Nerlens is a pretty athletic guy, right? He can finish with some, uh, with some, some verticality getting to the rim. Well, we have a guy like that on our team. Uh, how can we play shooter with a D to maximize Little side pick and roll, Merlins, boom, 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 like that easy. And and Schroeder picked up his dribble into the pass, which is what I want to point out here. Scoop, like that's a really nice pass. That's a Rondo pass. Yeah, he he's not as much a guy that's going to snake around a ball screen and dribble, 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 and then do something. Uh, but he, instead of doing that, does a good job of having those fake shots to draw that big man up to then open up the lob. So that, that's what he's looking to do if you're dropping against him, but he still wants to try to get to the, get that to the big man. If you show high against him, that big man's often going to be there. And honestly, I, I think he misses that pass a little bit more than, than he should at times. Uh, but if you are showing hard against him, that lob might be there, or he has a, a tendency to try to explode around you with a, a quick in and out dribble and then go around the side or sometimes even cross over and go middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the scoop pass to me is what, what makes that really nice. Yeah, Here's another lob so set. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun though. Uh, yeah, here's another, another lob set. It's gonna be not empty side this time. And what I appreciate about some of these is 
even if the big man isn't like very clearly out of position to defend the lob, if they're forward enough, that lob is open. And we talked about that all yep. last season in the playoffs and how many times LeBron was missing that pass by not throwing it. It seems like Schroeder's going to see that that's there. And on this play, oh yeah, nice pass, great lob there. That's available. The player isn't wide open. It's kind of like a quarterback in football. You throw him open. Um, and, and he does that with these role right. men who are sprinting full speed to the rim with their defender needing to turn their hips and then try to recover. Absolutely. Um, this past him. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I, I jumped again, but if you take that pull up shot away from him, he's going to look for yeah. that dump off. But Tim, this, this pass right here, this is where, uh, I was in my watching of film. I was just like, Oh my God. He could do that. I didn't know he could do that. This is an insanely accurate, fast whip scoop pass to the to the skip man. Oh my goodness, Tim! And I know you're a little bit further behind, but the speed, the violence in which he throws this pass, and it's it's a little wide, but it's 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 manageable. And the shooter, I'm sorry, I can't see who it is. You know, hops into their shot to kind of reposition themselves, but. My goodness, Tim, Ooh. that is a fucking skip pass if I've ever seen one. Wow. I, did, I just saw it. I, that is amazing. That's that's awesome. That's really good stuff. And that's because he has that role man pulling in the tag. And mm-hmm. that tag man has to come because the defense knows he's going to throw that lob pass even if it's not, like, wide open. If you're if, if it's open but you don't throw it, that tag man doesn't actually need to come down. And that's what hurt the Lakers a bit last season in the playoffs. The fact that Schroeder is going to get his lobman the ball. And again, we don't have JaVale. We don't have Dwight. Someone in the, the comments mentioned that Harrell can hit some of these. AD, I think, is is the the real lob man that we're looking at now because Keith's not that guy. Gasol's not mm-hmm. really like a – you're not throwing alley-oops to Mark Gasol as much anymore. He's, he's less mobile in that way. But Harrell can do some of that, and AD is going to be the guy who benefits the most from Schroeder's really strong uh, lob throwing. I could watch this skip pass all day, man. This is just a beautiful basketball. And the thing about it too is that it's, uh, it's fast. Like he didn't have to make a decision. Nothing made him make that decision that quickly other than it was the, he was open and you could see this guy, you know, who's supposed to be guarding the wing. He's got his foot basically in the paint. He's got his foot on the block and it's Lou Dort as, as the chat. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, and I don't care if that's Lou Dort, if that's Wesley Matthews or KCP, or if that's Caruso or Kuzma. Like, my goodness, that pass. Um, that just, that was the first play I saw when I was like, holy shit. Yep. Um, now here's a couple other plays, Tim, that I want to point out. And in a similar way, these are passes I didn't think he, that, uh, oh, okay. That's just another good skit. Like, uh, that's not as genius of a pass, but this is a, a nice pass too. He's going to snake the pick and roll. Um, but I think the play I want is after this one. I'll just let this run through real quick again. Snakes it. That one handed pass, Tim, that one handed rifle. Where do we, where have we seen that before? Uh, like Magic Johnson? <laughs> LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. It's, that's a like good playmaker. LeBron. LeBron, I mean, LeBron more does like the overhead pass down, but he'll, he'll pass off of one hand laser beam, you know, rifle to the guy in the corner. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. He's, he's definitely more of a score first ball handler in these sets, but he has the answer to each type of defensive coverage, which is really encouraging. 
And I think I'm slightly concerned that we don't quite have those lob threats as much this year. With AD, it's still there. With Harrell, it's probably going to be more short roll or, you know, dump it off with that, that bounce pass. He co- collects himself and then finishes strong, which is fine. It just won't quite be an alley oop. With Gasol, you might throw that lob up and he might have to land with it first and then go back up, which is still fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he doesn't have his Nerland Snowell on this team other than Anthony Davis from my perspective. No, that's true. But here, here's a pass and kind of play situation where you can see, um, let me just make sure. Yeah. You can see this working with Harold really well. Okay. So is the last play one more time, a little laser pass to the corner. And then this play coming up, Tim, he's going to do like a backhanded like bounce pocket pass. So gets the little uh pick here from Gallo. Gallo's going to slip this pretty well and the Kings are going to kind of hard hedge on Schroeder, send two guys at him. Well, Schroeder's going to make his way to the left side of the court and then he's going to reach out and like backhanded pat- bounce pass this pocket pass to Gallo. Look at that. And I know you're a little bit behind. I'll run this a few more times for the for the viewers. But this is just backhanded bounce pass, man. Are you kidding me? I did not know this was in this dude's game like this. And I have another clip right after it of him doing the same thing. So this is, this is a, a pass he uses when he gets blitzed. This is like, I know the angle. I know how to step into it, you know, and kind of use that angle to whip around. But it's just. My goodness, man. This is just stuff I didn't think. And maybe he's grown significantly in the last couple of years and I haven't seen him in OKC, but I do not remember this guy like passing like this in Atlanta. Yeah. The, the, the nuance that you get when you really dig into film on a player is, is really nice because you get to see these time after time after time, notice the patterns, check it with the, the, the data and see how it looks. And yeah, he's, I'm enjoying and more optimistic and excited about the guys that we added to the team after digging into what has led to some of the, the higher level numbers or takeaways that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just one more for good measure. This is a same kind of bounce pass to Nerland's Dewell, but my goodness, man, uh, this is just exciting. I don't know, Tim, we've been on for about 90 minutes now. Uh, I don't think I have, I have maybe, oh, I do have more Schroeder plays because I'm an addict apparently. <laughs> uh, let's just, let me just see what else I got here. Okay. After that, I want to pull up the, after that, I want to pull up the final poll and we'll, we'll wrap for this sure. up a little bit. And my last, yeah, I just wanted to get a good clip of him finishing through contact, uh, cause he is a decent finisher for his size. Let, let me see this, if there's any other sexiness that I've missed. Oh yes, this play, Tim. Oh my goodness, this. I can't tell you. I, I'm sure I have seen it before, but, uh, th- listen, man, I, I can't remember a dude rejecting a screen by, behind the back crossing over a guy and then like resetting just just i'm just gonna play this run it's like a Kyrie move this is like eight what kinds of filthy tim wow the backwards he rejects the screen with a backwards pass goes out to reset and then catches the dude flat-footed and so he's like okay i'm just gonna go to the basket then all right behind the back crossover what Get back out. Nope. That's wild. 
He's going to be so much fun to watch. And then imagine LeBron sprinting to the rim with a clear runway. Yeah. This is stupid. I was like, dude, I probably could have pulled like five more clips and I just had to stop and go to bed. I was like, this is some nastiness. He's, I think he's the most fun when he keeps his dribble alive because then you can see some of these things. A lot of times we're just going to see that quick pull up and he's good at it. So it works. But when he's, where, where he's going to be the most impactful and get other Lakers involved is when he's able to keep that dribble, pressure the rim, draw more than one defender, and then kick it out for an open corner three for Wes Matthews or hit LeBron sprinting to the rim or throw that lob to AD. That, that's going to be when we have the most fun with these. For sure, man. So, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I took the mic there for a second. Uh, I just threw up some of Schroeder's pick and roll synergy. Anything else you want to go over on him? No, that I, I hit all my notes. Um, he is going to be really strong. He's going to be a really good fit with this team. He's going to be good with, uh, Harold. He's going to be good with AD. He's going to be good with LeBron. I really like the fit of that pick and roll game as a, from a scoring standpoint, a passing standpoint. He'll have to slightly tweak to accommodate the fact that he's working with some, uh, not as great of lob threats for some of the players, but I think he'll make it work. I am now sharing on my screen. Uh, if you can pull that up, um, okay. the final poll that we have where we are looking at uh, just a question for all of you, which skill are you most excited for? And I think the two of us can discuss this as well. Is it Gasol's passing, Harold's post game, shooters, pick and roll game, or Matthew's wing stopper defense? Are they able to see that now, Tom? Yes, they are. Uh, this is tough because it's like, do you like, you know, chocolate and peanut butter or do you like vegetables and defense is vegetables <laughs> and to a lot of people, right? Uh, so it's, it's tough. Like I know I just gave all that, uh, love to, to Schroeder and those are like the sexy, exciting plays. But, uh, so I just want to give a little shout out to, yeah, yeah, thank you. The Matthews defense is still exciting. Gasol's passing is still exciting. I just want to put it in a little context there. <laughs> Yeah, I, for me, man, this is tough. I, I think I, you're right to say that the defense is probably not the most ex- exciting piece of it. I think for me, probably Gasol's passing is going to be, for, for me personally, really exciting because yeah, we're yeah. going to see that unlock LeBron AD off ball actions, which is just going right. to be terrifying to defend. And he's going to just make guys look good by getting them the ball. He's going to make guys cut harder, cut with more purpose because they know if they do their job and they get open, they're going to get the ball. So that, for me, is probably the most exciting, the fact that you can do it from high post, low post. It can really quickly flow into other actions with handoffs, or if if that split cut isn't there, then you just run a staggered screen away from him. It's the type of basketball I enjoy watching, and I think it's going to be a really good add to this team in a way that just, we just haven't quite seen. So I'm I, that, for me, is the most exciting. How about you? I think I, I think I have to agree with Gasol's passing in the sense that I think at least in this equation that Gasol's passing is going to spend the most time on the court with LeBron and AD. Uh, he's going to have at least 12 minutes on the court, like every game probably with those guys, right? He'll probably run that first six minute shift, uh, the same as LeBron. And then you bring them out, you bring in Harrell and, you know, Kuzma or something and move AD to the five. You know, so Gasol playing with LeBron and AD more, I think that passing, you'll see it more impactful. But, I mean, after seeing what I've seen from Schroeder and what he can offer is unlike anything we've had at that position in a long time, man. We've not had a scoring point like this since, like, Nick Van Exel, you know? So 
Um, it's, it's it, all of these skills, right? And we only focus on the good where we're going to try and dig more into these players entire game going forward. But today we wanted to, to highlight the skill that these guys were going to bring to the team, no matter what. Uh, why they were brought to the team and, you know, talk about how they could fit into the next of the guys and seeing Gasol um, quarterback this offense and allow AD and LeBron to have the ball in their hands, even a little bit less because Dwight and JaVale just didn't have the ball in their hands. So uh, that, that is exciting. It's just an element that I'm not sure what exactly is going to look like yet. That, that makes me excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I do think uh, it can be said that, so I, I look at these three different ways because Saul is going to help others get involved. Harold's post game and Schroeder's pick and roll game are, I guess Schroeder's kind of both, but Harold's post game is going to be instant offense off the bench. And then that wing stopper defense does address an area of need that we had following the last postseason. I'm glad we have it. And so just all four of these are really good ads because we needed scoring. We have scoring. We needed guys that can get others involved. Two of these four options are that. We needed a wing stopper on defense. We now have a wing stopper on defense. The, the Lakers had a great offseason. They added guys that, in more ways than just what's on the screen right now, they're able to help you. But even just with the single things that they bring here, very clearly address and, and bolster areas of need or concerns that we had to be working through this past season. So I'm just really thrilled with with everything we've seen Um Really happy with this stream, with with how we've put this together. Excited to do some yeah, more. Man. Um, I think getting some consistency with these, 1, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, will help get some folks around. We'll have more of this, some of the film, some of the data, some of that interactive component. Happy to chat with you guys. Uh, so thank you for joining us. I don't know if any of you have stuck around the whole time, um, but really thrilled to have you here. And uh, we'll try to have this available if you want to review it. I, I guess on Twitch, I think it stays up. And then I can probably throw this on YouTube as well if you're able to send me the file. We're going to try and do this on a consistent basis and record this as our pod live on Twitch while adding some visual elements. Hopefully it uh, comes through for the people on the pod. But if not, we will, yeah, try and put together uh, put together a YouTube channel and at least on Twitch, it will be, it will remain for 14 days. So, um, yeah, go into the chat there. Tim put the Menti link and the code and you can vote on this, uh, this poll that we've got going on. And Tim, we're going to come back on Monday, uh, with a topic yet to be determined and, uh, we'll try to put some more film together, but you know, add us, um, Send a five star Apple review to us on Twitter and you'll get the discord link. Um, and you know, in the future, Tim, what I can see us doing is we take questions from discord and we'll take your questions from there because we're trying to get reviews. I'm sorry. It's just the business. So we appreciate y'all for streaming with us for nearly two hours, man. But Tim, uh, this is exciting new development in the, in, in the Lakers exceptionalism days. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. DM me iTunes. If, if some people listen on Spotify, you can do, uh, just pull up iTunes. You should be able to send a review. Or if you listen on Apple podcasts, send a review there. Just DM that to me at Tim underscore MBA and we can get you in that discord. And for all the content we have out publicly, we have a lot more behind the scenes with just with us chatting. Or if you individually have a question about a specific guy or a specific area of their game, you can ask and, we're responsive, having good dialogue. You don't have Celtics fans looking over your shoulders as you're uh, talking, but um, <laughs> it's 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 a really fun community. Happy to continue growing it, and really thrilled with with this next step in our development. All right, chill. So we are going to sign off. Thank you so much again. Give us a follow and uh, tune in Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at. 
10 p uh, 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern and uh we'll talk to you guys next time spring is in the air at littleton coin company and we want to help you brighten your collection visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15 percent off your purchase with a wide selection of coins paper money supplies and more littleton coin company has something for every collector's taste use promo code spring at littletoncoin.com for 15 percent off your purchase all month long restrictions apply littleton coin company serving collectors since 1945